is, I'm sorry, I'll read that again. An extravaganza specially written for the wireless by several persons and featuring a number of performers. Stage. The score is the boys of King Arthur's Grammar School, Newquay, one and a half. The girls of Podbury High School, Bratwich, naught. And now, round seven. Tell the difference. Peter, what is the difference between an elephant and an armchair? Uh, well, um, well, an elephant is one of those round orange boxes you lock books up in and put in a greenhouse. And an armchair is, um, it's a long, it's a long plastic pole. It's a long plastic pole you hang out the window to keep the birds away. <laughs> no. I can only give you a half for that, Peter. But I can offer it to you, Elizabeth. I don't know. <laughs> well tried anyway, Elizabeth. And we go on to round eight, which is called Tell the Truth. Right now, Jessica, who stole a bottle of whiskey from inside Mr. Jackson's desk during break last Wednesday? Alice Ankle. Good. Now, you get two marks for that, and Alice gets 50 lashes. <laughs> and so we come to round 40, and the music question. Freddie, can you identify this piece of music? Um, uh, is it Bar Bar Black Sheep? No. Um, would you like to hear it again? Y yes, please. No? Well, never mind, Freddy. It is, of course, this. Backwards. <laughs> Good. Now, round 56 is called, What Would You Do With A? Feed it to the horses. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm afraid not, Adam. Uh, what I mean is, what would you do with a something? You see? So, Penryn, what would you do with a wombat? Play wom with it. <laughs> Yes, good. That's four marks to you, Penrith. William, what would you do with a titfer? Well, you'd string it and you'd head over. No, I'm afraid not, William. Jolly good shot. But you would, in fact, wear it on your head. It is a kind of boot. <laughs> and that, I'm afraid, is the end of the contest. And Joan Shark, the final score, please. Well, the score at the end of the contest is the boys of King Arthur's Grammar School, Newquay, six, the girls of Potbury High School, four. So that is, of course, a win for the boys and girls of Eton College. <laughs> and there we are. So it's over to the team captains to say goodbye for us. Well, I'd like to thank the boys of King Arthur's Grammar School very much for a most exciting contest and say that we're ready to meet them in the gym after lock-up. <laughs> so, school, three cheers for the boys of King Arthur's Grammar School, New Key. Hip, hip. Come on, school. <laughs> Excuse me, sir, would you mind telling me what that is you're carrying? Eggs. Any particular kind of egg, sir? 
golden age, I see, sir. And under your other arm, sir? A harp. A what? A magic harp. May I ask you where you obtain these items, sir? From a giant. <laughs> Property of large man. Sorry, sir? <laughs> Property of very large man. <laughs> and uh, where did you meet this large man, sir? At the top of a beanstalk. Meet and divorce, need I assume. <laughs> oh, so you had a fight with the giant, did you, sir? I see. Fee-fi-fo what, sir? <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, would you ask your heart to stop playing a moment, sir? Thank you. Now, <laughs> let's get this straight, sir. You fought this giant, and then you ran away down the beanstalk, and the giant followed you, and then you cut down the beanstalk. I see. Well, I wonder if you'd mind moving it, sir. There's a whole queue of traffic waiting to get past. Well, lads, it's my job to welcome you to the Ruskdale Inward Bound Mountain School. <laughs> now, my name is Brigadier Mackintosh, but you can call me Sir. <laughs> now... I'm just going to tell you some of the reasons why Inward Bound exists. You see, we here believe that the very best in men comes out in times of war. Well, we can't have a war, but we can have the next best thing. Now, whilst you chaps are here, you'll have the chance to earn yourself one of the Duke of Edinburgh's special awards. These are rewards for initiative, uh, intelligence, and enterprise. And they're always given to boys who like rock climbing. Now, we are often asked, what use is inward bound? <laughs> well, if you look at it that way, not at all. But we prefer to look at it another way. You will soon, all of you, be scrambling about on the rock of life. Now, we want to make sure that you don't fall off. <laughs> now, all you lads come from a great variety of different classes. Uh, backgrounds. Some of us have been lucky, and some of you have not been quite so lucky. But you know, we don't care what you're like at home, or what your home is like. Here, everyone is on just the same level when it comes to issuing responsibility. So, um, Pocklington Smythe, you will be our troop leader, and um, Bill Biggs, you will be our cook. Now, some little things we do ask of you. During the next month, there will be no drinking, no smoking, and absolutely no contact with the opposite sex. What we want is a completely natural atmosphere. <laughs> if you do have any problems, I want you to come to me. <laughs> Only last week, I had a brief rather dull talk with what seemed to me to be a simple, uncomplicated lad. But after having a week to think it up, he came back. And he told me that he was the illegitimate son of a French nymphomaniac who had had an affair with a white man and afterwards married a drunken homosexual. <laughs> this was what I wanted to hear. <laughs> right, away you go, twice round the grounds, and last one under the coal showers of Sissy. And remember, when it hurts, it's doing you good. <laughs> 
welcome to Lords, and we greet you with the news that the West Indies are 226 for three wickets. I'm sorry, the South Africans are 71 for one. And it's England in the field and doing jolly well. Don't you think they're doing jolly well, Peter? Oh, absolutely first rate. Jolly good indeed, Brian. Oh, jolly well indeed. I couldn't agree with you more if I tried. Jolly, jolly good. Well, anyway, it's been a thoroughly good morning's cricket so far. Don't you think so, Brian? Absolutely. Oh, jolly good. First rate. Very entertaining. Absolutely enthralling. Jolly absorbing. Jolly absorbing. Jolly, jolly absorbing. <laughs> it has been rather slow so far. Uh, in fact, in just over an hour and a half, only three runs have been added. <laughs> all of them leg buys. <laughs> but it has all been jolly absorbed. Yes, jolly yes, absorbed. Yes. Don't you think so, Dennis? <laughs> oh, he's not here. Uh, well, uh, let's see who's batting there. Right, jolly good. Uh, now, it's the West Indies. No, it's the South Africans. And the score is... Now, which one of those is the total? Mm. <laughs> I think... I think it's the one in the middle. Oh, yes, that's right. Well, there's 71 for three. Good heavens, they must have lost another two wickets. Oh, pity we missed that. Oh. <laughs> well, anyway, England now have had a thoroughly good morning in the field. You know, Brian, I've got a nasty feeling England are batting. Batting? Oh, dear, really? The batsmen are wearing English caps, aren't they? They're not wearing caps at all. Oh, no, they're not, are they? <laughs> I've made one of my mistakes, haven't I? <laughs> well, anyway, up here, we all think that, we all think that England are batting. And uh, now it must be uh, Peter Goddard bowling. Don't you think so, Brian? I don't know. I, I just don't know. <laughs> yes, that's right. Absolutely right. It's Trevor Goddard bowling. And he's walking back to his mark. He stops, turns, characteristic little skip at the beginning of his run, and he's coming in. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty, forty, fifty, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. He bowls. And what happened to that one, Peter? Uh, uh, I, th I think he got a touch down the leg side. Oh, I thought he hit him on the pad. Anyway, the ball's gone down the leg side. No, wait a moment. He's hit it past cover for four. Beautiful shot. <laughs> past cover's left hand. Beautiful no, shot. no, no. The ball went straight through to the wicket keeper. So it did. So it did. He didn't get a touch. Straight through to the wicket keeper. I, thi I think he touched it. Yes. Yes, he was dropped at gully. <laughs> put down in the gully. Put down in the gully by grace there. A bad miss. Bad miss. No. No, no. Wait a moment. I think he's walking back to the pavilion. I think to change his bat. Oh. oh, no, no, no. No, he's chasing off a dog. No, no. No, no, wait a minute. No, no, wait a minute. He's being given out. Out, 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 out. 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 He's out. 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 So he has, so he has. Out. Rash stroke. Rash stroke, yes. Head right in the air. Must have got a touch. That's uh, English number four. Caught at the wicket. I think he was bowled. Look, the leg stump's missing. Look. So it is. So it is. <laughs> Must have been stumped. No, no, clean bowl trying to sweep. Silly shot. Silly shot. Silly shot. Silly shot, Silly shot yes. But we have had a jolly good morning's cricket, haven't we? Mm. Oh, well, that's great. Arthur, bold Goddard. No, no, he's not out. No, he's not no, out. He's not out. He's not out. No, he's not out. No, no, no. Well, well, what a relief for what him. Relief. What a 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 relief. <laughs> yeah, Arthur is still there with uh, 20... Um, uh, so, uh, anyway, he's still there. He's still there. And, and what a good morning's cricket we've had. And as we return to the studio, we say again, a, th a thoroughly entertaining and absorbing morning's cricket. Right, right. We may not know much about the game, but at least we're gentlemen. Time for romance. History is full of great lovers. Antony and Cleopatra, Romeo and Juliet, David Frost and himself. <laughs> and since time immemorial in the eyes of the girl, the man is always a hero. Or is he? For years I've dreamt of the perfect lover. I'd surely know him when he came along. 
There'd come a day when I'd discover a man who was handsome, clever, and strong. Strong as a lion, tall as a tree, a man who would capture and dominate me. But along came Jim, an ordinary guy. You'd never notice him if he went by. With his ordinary face, his ordinary ways, the kind of man you always meet on ordinary days. But I love him, yes, I love him, cause he's just my Jim. I remember, I remember when I first met Jim. It was at a party. He didn't have much to say for himself that night, but I realized later he wasn't shy, just dull. But every morning, every morning when I hear the round, masculine tones of his first belch, and watch him, watch him, scratching his dandruff into the cornflakes bone. Well, I yes. Uh, I know. He's just my Jim. Dim old Jim. Goodness only knows what made me notice him. It's surely not his looks. It's surely not his clothes. It's surely not the funny baby way he picks his nose. But I love him. He's just my Jim. And now, here is the news. I'm sorry, I'll read that again. Here are the news. <laughs> the Entente Cordiale was strengthened this morning at a mid-channel ceremony. President de Gaulle, the well-known foreigner, <laughs> opened the escalators connecting the 10-mile French Channel Tunnel to the 10-mile British Channel Bridge. <laughs> In the House of Commons this afternoon, Mr. Wilson bitterly attacked the Prime Minister. He likened him to Nero, Genghis Khan, Attila the Hun, Machiavelli, Mussolini, Hitler, the Borgias, Judge Jeffries, and Queen Victoria. <laughs> Mr. Wilson is leader of the opposition. <laughs> the Duke of Edinburgh spent this afternoon touring a knitting needle top fitters factory in Hounslow. On his arrival, he was greeted by the managing director, Mr. L.H. King, who introduced his family and said... Although my name is King, you are obviously far more royal than I am. <laughs> Prince Philip replied, Thank you very much. It is a nice day. <laughs> the great train robbery. The great train is still missing. <laughs> and now for news of the Nigerian situation, over to Nigel Watts in Munich. Here in Munich, the mood is one of tension, of suspense. But somewhere discernible in the tension is a lack of tension. A lack of tension. 
The streets of Cologne here tonight are full of people passing and repassing as they go their various ways. But on many faces there is little sign of the tension or lack of tension that all of them must be feeling. For beneath the superficial gaiety, the carefree merrymaking, there may well be the realisation that this is not yet the end of the matter. From the brightly lit cafes of the Forgenrudenstrasse, good night. And now, for a look at the weather, over to the weather centre, Kingsway. Right, let's have a shot at the forecast then, shall we? <laughs> What's the seaweed like, Noreen? Wet, Norman. All right then, depression centred over London, moving... Oh, which way's the wind blowing? East. Norman. Oh, depression moving eastwards then. Anything else to go on? Well, while I was on my way home to bed at about half past two in the morning, Norman, oh. in Luton this was, no. the sky was a bit red. Red? Oh, red at night, shepherd's delight, red in the morning, shepherd's warning. <laughs> well, what would you call half past two in the morning then? Oh, I know, red sky in the small hours, showers. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so that looks like showers in Luton, dear. How are the fur cones, Noreen? They're opening slightly. Oh. Ever so slightly. Well, what would you guess then, love? Well, shall we say three, four, seven millibars rising to about three, five, two around lunchtime tomorrow? Let's, yes. <laughs> oh, that's lovely, Noreen. Any news from Devon? Yes. Oh. Willem says he's seen a hedgehog with three legs. Oh, fancy. No, a hedgehog with less than four good feet, sunny day and then some sleet. No. No. Well, that seems to be that for today. Oh, except for the long-range weather forecast for May, June, July and early August. What is it, Noreen? Changeable. Oh, And finally, a police message. At her hotel late last night, Miss Gloria Glass, the actress, was attacked and dragged screaming from her shower by an unidentified young man. Her naked, writhing form was tied to a bedpost with strands of her long golden hair, silencing her screams with a multitude of kissing mouths. Will anyone who saw the accident... Or who can supply any photographs? <laughs> Please communicate immediately with the BBC newsroom. Thanks. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, we had hoped to be able at this point to introduce Shirley Bassey. But instead, we have Fritz and his performing hamsters. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and for the climax of my act this evening, my greatest performing hamster will jump from a two-foot platform into a glass of water. Ah! I must teach them to swim. <laughs> and now, sports report. And it's north with Alex Stoughton for an exclusive view of yesterday evening's workout by Herbert Crimble, northeast London area wine tasting champion. See what you make of this one, Herbie. Oh, it's enchanting. A little playful, perhaps, but not extravagant. No, it has a, it has a certain—I don't know what—a certain je ne sais quoi. 
Now, unless I'm very much mistaken, it's a claret. You are very much mistaken. <laughs> uh, uh, of course I am. Of course I'm silly me. Of course it's not a claret. It's not nearly sinful enough for a claret. No, it is, it is in fact a, a burgundy. Yes, that's it, a burgundy. A very fine, full-bodied red burgundy. A, a killing little Chambon Musigny. <laughs> no, it's pretty badly bottled, I'm afraid. So it probably came from the Leblanc vineyard. Poor old Lucien Leblanc. He was passed it even in 53. Now, I remember his wife saying, poor old Lucien always bottles so badly because he's always so badly bottled. <laughs> I nearly died. Beautiful woman. Beautiful, beautiful woman, his wife. A marvellously full-bodied, mature 38 vintage with a lovely nose. <laughs> No, I'm afraid it's not a burgundy, Herbie. Oh, oh, it's not. <laughs> no, of course it's not. <laughs> am I getting warm? Uh, not exactly, but remember, you are allowed two tastes if you wish. Oh, of course I am. <laughs> oh, no, no, of course. It's an Australian champagne, isn't it? <laughs> Clico Wallaby, 1963. <laughs> 1963 and 64. They have the summer in the winter, you know. <laughs> Wait a minute. It has a slight suggestion of strawberries, so it's probably, in fact, an amusing little Japanese hock. No. A Japanese burgundy, then, a Nui San Nagasaki? No. No, of course not. It's a pint of bitter, isn't it? Half a bitter? Bitter lemon. Little bitter lemon? Lemon tea? Lemon squash? Milk? Water? Coffee? No, Herbie, I'm sorry. It is, in fact, a plate of steak and chips. <laughs> right, 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 right. Finish your work and let's get down to a bit of crumpet. I'm sorry, I'll say that again. Finish your crumpet and let's get down to a bit of work. First, if you'll raise your teacups, we'll toast the fur. Roses are red, violets are blue, but Butterworth's bobbins are right champion. Tip firm. Come, come, lads, Butterworth's motto. Butterworth lads speak with one voice, all together, right? Tip firm. Tip firm. Now, you all know I'm a reasonable man. I mean, nobody's going to say that I'm an unreasonable man. Aye. Eh? No. I mean, if there's one thing I am, it's reasonable. Aye. I ain't had no book learning. No. And I was driving an engine when I was four. Eee. Or what, it three? Ooh. No, no, eighteen. Oh. So you could call me an uneducated, precocious liar. Aye. Eh? No. Still, there's one thing about me. You're a reasonable man. Aye. But there's summat up in loom room. Shenanigan. Canoodling. Heavy petting. Ooh. And I'm not having it. Oh. I mean, I'm not having it. <laughs> now, I don't have to explain to you lads what happens in loom room, do I? Aye. Oh, well. There's lasses what handle the warp and weft. Aye. And there's fellas what manage the bobbins. Aye. And so long as we keep the two to their place, there'll be no... Need I say more? Aye. Aye. Aye, well, to cut a long story short... Aye. It seems that Mr. Hardcastle's bobbin found its way into Mrs. Clegg's weft. <laughs> and you all know what happens then. Ooh. No. She gets flutters in warp. Aye. Aye. 
Now, Mr. Arbottom, our time and motion man, reckons that this incident occurred at 4.15 on Tuesday. Oh? Halfway between the number one loom room Aye. and the spindle polisher's billiard parlour. Which means it were not only a damn funny place for it, Aye. but there must have been a neck of a lot of motion in a very little time. Aye. Well, I'll say no more now. No. But if you ask me, there's more in this than meets the... Aye. Horrible lady spiders. Get your horrible lady spiders. Horrible lady spiders. Fun for the kiddies, two for a ball, bold and feeling. They're airy, they're horrible. Horrible airy spiders. Oh, you're not selling chocolate then? No, I'm not. Horrible airy spiders. Frighten your granny. Horrible airy spiders. <laughs> Only I saw you had a tray, so I thought perhaps you were selling chocolate. Then I thought, oh no, oh dear me, no, that's most unlikely. I mean, oh, why? Well, who's going to buy horrible airy chocolate? <laughs> yeah. Then I thought, I thought it must be cigarettes. You know, it's a pity you're not selling horrible airy cigarettes. You'd be doing a great service, mate. Eh? Well, people wouldn't have much trouble giving them up, would they? I mean... No, I suppose not. Unless, of course, you shaved them. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that lose the point? What point? Well, giving them up. Oh, yes. Ah. Oh, a friend of mine gave up smoking, started eating instead. Every lunchtime, I'm not kidding, every lunchtime, instead of smoking, he'd have a great big plate of Brussels sprouts. It's not the same, though. Isn't it? No, you can't blow sprouts through your nose. <laughs> Still, he gave them up in the end. Cigarettes? No, sprouts. <laughs> Went on to chops. I used to see him wandering about at night looking for chop ends. He used to say, you're never alone with a chop. <laughs> Mind you, I've always preferred cigarettes myself. You have. Here you are. Would you like one? Oh, thanks very much. Do you mind if I eat it now? Mmm. <laughs> oh, delicious. Cheerio, then. Hey. Aren't you going to buy a horrible airy spider? Well, how much are they? Three and ten for twenty. Oh, that's very reasonable. Come in. Oh, come in, Mr. Jones. Sit down, please. Thank you. Now, I want to have a word with you about the state of your account. Oh, really? I Quite. About... Now, I see that your credit stands at only £9,122. Oh, Why I isn't it that... more? Well, you see, I was... Quiet. Sort... Now, <laughs> I want you to make it up to £10,000 by next Friday. Understood? But that's impossible. Why? I mean, well, I mean, surely if I'm over £9,000... What do you credit... think banks are for, Mr. Jones? They're not just here to help you, you know. It's their job to accumulate money. Yes, but I mean... What? <laughs> now, let's be reasonable. You can't expect banks to behave like benevolent parents. Half the trouble with you, Mr. Jones, is that you come from a generation that thinks banks are a service. They're not. They're a business. We want your money. <laughs> now, only last Tuesday you cashed a cheque for £3.17 and six. Why? What was it for? I bought a pair of trousers. The pair you're wearing? No. So you have two pairs of trousers? Yes. Just as I thought. Really, Mr. Jones, this bank is not a charitable institution, you know. Now, how are we going to rectify the position? Um, how much money have you in your pocket at the moment? Well, about one pound ten and four. Well, I'll take the pound for a start. Now, your wife, is she earning? Well, no, she's cooking my dinner. Put her out to work, man. Put her out to work. Plenty of jobs around. But, but my son, I... Ah, you've got a son. How old? Six. Has he got an account? No. Piggy bank? Yes. I want it. Bring it in on Friday with the rest. <laughs> now, your car, sell it. And uh, how are we going to get you more money? Uh, what's your job? I'm a bank manager. Oh, uh, really? Where? Sutherland. Oh, my account's at Sutherland. Yes. Well, as a matter of fact, that's what I came to see you about. Ah, yes. Well, now, I can explain that, you see. I've been having a great deal of difficulty recently. My mother's not been at all... <laughs> Oh, 
And now to Wimpole Street, where the folks all meet, doodah, doodah day, to meet the Jets. Well, if it isn't you, Charles. Well, if it isn't you, Whooper. Well, if it isn't you, Basil. Well, if it isn't any of us, we're wasting our time. <laughs> Taxi? 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 Well, the taxi driver's gonna take me away. Everybody in the taxi cab. He's my friend, cause I'm willing to pay. Plenty money for a taxi cab. Well, the taxi driver always wears a smile. We're all happy in a taxi cab. Cause he's charging almost a pound a mile. All the way to heaven in a taxi cab. I'm traveling, traveling, traveling in a taxi, traveling in a taxi cab. I'm traveling, traveling, traveling in a taxi, traveling in a cab. You can keep your taxi because I've found. There's more excitement on the underground All the sinners on the underground I took me home by five, but now I'm later What are you doing on the underground? I'm looking at the adverts on the escalator Underwear on the underground Traveling, traveling, traveling on the underground Traveling on the underground Traveling, traveling, traveling on the underground Traveling on the London underground Oh, well, the London bus is the wisest way Ain't no worry on the London bus Cause then you're traveling most of the day Ain't no hurry on the London bus Well, I leave at 8 and at 12 I ride Easy does it on the London bus Then I catch 1 and 2 to be home by 5 Labor saving on the London bus And now here is an announcement of special interest to name droppers. This program, I'm sorry, I'll read that again, was written and performed by Tim Rook Taylor, Anthony Buffery, John Cleese, David Hatch. Joe Kendall and Bill Oddie, who also wrote the songs with Hugh MacDonald. Musical director Bert Rhodes, and production by Humphrey Barclay and Edward Taylor. David Hatch is now appearing in Gotterdammerung at the Metropolitan Opera House, Fiji.